KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We continue to see vaccination levels rise across the country, but we also continue to see a lot of people who don't want to get vaccinated. So, how are we doing in getting shots in arms? And what are the big questions healthcare professionals are getting about the COVID 19 vaccines? Wanted to talk about all of this and more. So, we caught up with Dr. Atul Grover. He is the executive director of the Association of American Medical Colleges Research and Action Institute. Important conversation. Give a listen. So just to start, kind of give me your feel where we are on the the vaccine rollout. Are we making the progress we should be? It seems like from the outside, things have really accelerated in the last couple months in a good way. How do you feel about where we are? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the vaccines are now beginning to roll out to a point where... The pace is reasonable. I think that because the states and localities have been given essentially, you know, pretty much complete oversight in terms of how to administer and decide on priority populations that there's still some fits and starts there. But I think we're on on a good track to um, really have everybody at least be able to get an appointment by the beginning of May. I am concerned, though, that we are in this race of the vaccines versus variants or mutations, because the the longer it takes for us to get everybody immunized and to establish immunity, the more chance you have of those variants popping up. So that's kind of my, the main thing I'm looking at right now. Are you concerned? We see a lot of places, and I'm not talking necessarily about states that probably haven't been as stringent as they should be, but we see a lot of places kind of relaxing is it a balance with regards to like lockdowns and indoor dining and stuff like that between being safe, but also we're more than a year into this and people are tired and people are hurting financially. How do you balance that? Well, I think it's a multi-pronged approach and and I understand that people are frustrated. Uh, I think that they are lacking the human connection that we all need and desire, but the best way to get there is to wait till you get your vaccine And you can start to hug other vaccinated people, whether your friends or your grandchildren, other uh, neighbors um, that you really haven't been able to spend time with. But I think what we need to be doing is not letting up on some of the restrictions that have already been put in place. Now, it doesn't mean you need to have 100 percent lockdown on uh, indoor dining. Uh, I think opening that up, relaxing it a little bit makes sense. Personally, I would not go in uh, with a bunch of unvaccinated people if I had a choice about it. But I think, you know, the the point you raised about people's economic circumstances is critically important, which is why I think the Recovery Act um, has been really critical in terms of getting that passed. I think that the steps that some states have taken to relax restrictions almost completely, like Texas and Mississippi getting Mississippi getting rid of mask mandates, uh, are it's, it's a mistake. But I hope that it's one that uh, both the citizens of those states and the rest of us don't have to pay dearly for. To the point about the mask, and this is something I've been curious about, when will we know it's okay to not wear one anymore? Is that something literally when the WHO says the pandemic, we declared a pandemic over, we can feel comfortable going about our lives if we're vaccinated, not wearing a mask anymore? I think a lot of it comes down to local local circumstances. So we're really more concerned about within the United States, do we get to that level of herd immunity? If we can get to 80% of people that have been vaccinated or have already had a natural infection and have immunity, 
what you're basically looking to do is to say, if somebody from the outside of that herd, quote unquote, comes in with an active infection, you don't want them to be able to spread it anywhere, right? You'd love it to be able to stop with that individual because everybody they're interacting with is already immune. And so I think you may see pockets of places, counties, states, cities, where you say, look, we've got sufficient levels of immunity here. We can start relaxing those restrictions. I do think all of this is is relative risk. Uh, and, you know, in the last year, a lot of us have had to learn sort of that there is no absolute black and white because there is no 100% elimination of all risk, whether when you're talking about an infectious disease and a pandemic like this. So it'll have to be still uh, up to the judgment of some localities and also to individuals. I believe that we're going to see probably through uh, the coming winter, um, now that we're thankfully into spring, I think into calendar year 22, you'll probably still see people that are going to be on public transportation, wearing masks or in other settings. I'm still trying to figure out what we do with, you know, our great concert venues like The Man and other places out here that I love to go to every summer. And so I think we're going to have to work those things out. The good news is once you get vaccinated and you're with other people who are vaccinated indoors or out and it's small groups, you won't need to wear the mask anymore. And in fact, you can still have that mask off if you're meeting with people restricted to one other household indoors, as long as those people aren't at high risk of getting uh, severe illness if they contract an infection. So people who are immunocompromised, people who are elderly, multiple other conditions that make them susceptible to severe illness. With those folks, we want to be extra careful. They're going to need to wear masks longer, and we should be wearing masks around them. What's the biggest question, or I shouldn't say biggest, what is the most consistent question you get about the vaccines? So right now we have some concerning uh, statistics and attitudes among pockets of the population. We know that about even one in five people who work in a healthcare setting, so it's not just doctors and nurses, but you're talking about people who run food service and, and cleaning and transportation and registration for our patients that come in to our hospitals and clinics. One in five say that they are unwilling to get the vaccine. That's still too high, particularly when I believe that we as, as healthcare professionals and people working in that setting ought to be setting the example for the others in our community. And so I think the concerns, the questions that I get are largely around, can I trust this process? Can I trust the data around the vaccines? My unequivocal answer is yes. I've looked at the data, all three of the vaccines that have been approved for EUA use here in the United States have undergone rigorous trials, tens of thousands of people enrolled. I thank the patients across the country who have been willing to enroll in those trials to help the rest of us. And I think the important thing to recognize is people say, well, you have been telling me, you people in public health and you folks in medicine, this normally takes several years. How did you get this done in nine to 12 months? It's a great question and I understand it. And the answer is um, pretty simply that we put historic resources into the development of these vaccines. The federal government essentially bought sort of sight unseen bought into the process. They put tens of millions of dollars in the development of each one of these vaccines that have been approved, as well as into dozens of other trials. So what the federal government normally does is they say, look, we'll invest in something. We will purchase those doses once you can show us that they are safe. But essentially, those purchases have happened ahead of time, allowing these companies to go ahead and really enroll people very quickly, but also to start manufacturing even before those tests were completely done. And if those tests didn't pan out, they just scrapped it. So the government lost that money. 
But in the case of the Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, what they've done is essentially already paid for the manufacturing of those vaccines that have been successful. That's how we got here so quickly. That's, that's how this actually happened. And I think people should rest assured that these vaccines are very safe. They are among the most effective vaccines we have in our arsenal when you compare to things like you know, hepatitis B or HPV. They are right up there. Are we making progress? You mentioned one in five health professionals, but there's been a lot of stories and a lot of talk about vaccine hesitancy in communities of color, uh, of a certain political bent. Do we feel like we're making some steady progress in changing minds or convincing people? Uh, And how important to that point is just knowing that your neighbor's vaccinated and they're fine or knowing that your cousin got vaccinated and they're fine, kind of that real-world connection that shows you that uh, you should go ahead and get it done? I, I think your last point is critically important. And so those of us who have been vaccinated, uh, my ask of, of you would be to let people know. Tell your communities, tell people in your church, tell people that you work with, hey, I got my vaccinations. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of months in my case. I have not grown a second head. Uh, I have not been debilitated by the symptoms. And guess what? I have not been hospitalized for COVID and I'm not dead. And that's really the end point that we're looking for. I do think that, you know, we have to be understanding about why people have hesitation in getting these vaccines. And I think for historically communities of color, those who have been hit hardest by the COVID pandemic have really been the ones with uh, the most concerns and for good reason, because they have not always been treated well, fairly equitably by the healthcare system. We have done, I think, an amazing job this time of not rectifying all of the you know, inherent systemic biases within healthcare, within the country. But what we have done is make sure that we had a significant representation of minority populations, women. Um, now we're starting to do trials that are looking at children and, and pregnant people. So we are doing due diligence here. Um, it's hard to trust when uh, you haven't always been given a reason to trust in the past. But I do think your point about, you know, people in the community saying we've got now at least, uh, you know, 20, 25 percent of people that have gotten at least one dose. Those people need to be out there talking about the fact of the relief that they feel, the 13, 14, 15 percent that are actually fully immunized like me. My joy is being able to go out and hug my neighbors and friends that have also been vaccinated that I haven't been able to have any contact with for almost a year. What are so one of the great things I had described to me was as we come out of this is it's not going to be flipping on a light switch. It's going to be a dimmer switch and it'll be kind of this slow. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, the room's fully, fully lit. As we make progress with vaccines, what are some, I don't know if benchmarks the right word, but things that people should be listening for, looking for where they can say, okay, we've made, this is a big step. Now that they're saying X, that means we've made a lot of progress. What are some things that people should be looking or listening for? Well, I, I think, you know, looking to federal data and guidance is probably key, because as I said, I think some states are not getting this right in terms of the pace with which they're opening up or the things which they're choosing to do right now. But if you go to the cdc.gov website, or if you don't want to look at government sources and would rather look at sort of a a collection of resources. You can go to our website, which is aamc.org 
slash COVID roadmap. And you'll find all kinds of resources and latest information there about testing, opening up, masking, vaccination. So I think what people really want to look for is remember, even with a dimmer switch, there's a big difference between complete darkness and one or two candles worth of light, right? So, and that's what I think you're seeing now, the fact that you, you do see a significant portion of the population that are able to gather with each other now. I think what uh, President Biden uh, said about hopefully having everybody get scheduled, at least for a vaccine that wants one by May, and being able to get together with small groups of people who have been vaccinated by the 4th of July, these are big benchmarks. I think as we get children back to school, as we get higher ed and colleges and universities and community colleges back open and doing instruction uh, in person, that's a huge difference um, as your offices begin to reopen. It may not be everybody at once. We're still going to be trying to limit some of this. And I think we found a, a, you know, a silver lining here, the new flexibility that, that hopefully many people have received if their job permits uh, to be able to work more flexibly from home or from anywhere else rather than going into an office and having a two-hour commute every day. So I think all of these things are signs that we are getting there, but it's critically important to go to trusted sources of information like the CDC, come to our website to make sure that you are getting accurate signals. I think when our testing uh, abilities uh, get ramped up, because remember, if you're sending children to school, if you're sending people to work, you need to be able to test them regularly. You need to figure out if any of these infections are getting through. And because we're in this race here between vaccination and variants or mutations, we want to make sure these new mutations are coming out that aren't going to be susceptible. So all that information will be available from the federal government, private sources like ours, and that's going to be critically important to watch. But I think as you sort of see the general approach to life and slightly more risk-taking, not risk in a bad way, but acceptable risk, that's what you ought to look to to say, this is getting better. And uh, notwithstanding the fact that it is actually spring now, and that in itself is, is helping a lot. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon. We'll have another episode out soon.